Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Doozy Days podcast. I am your host, Miranda Narduzzi, and today I have three absolutely lovely ladies on the podcast to share about their upcoming book, I Am Beautiful and I Know It. This is a children's book set to release in late August 2021, um, and we have two authors and one illustrator here to share the story and the message behind the book, and uh, we're going to learn a little bit about uncovering beauty. So um, we have here Sophie. She is a best-selling author for, of the book uh, Beautiful, Brilliant, and Brave. I had her on my podcast a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. So if you're interested in checking that out, you can check out that. And then we have Angie, the co-author, and we have Laura, the illustrator as well. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear what they have to say. And so I will hand it over to them to quickly introduce themselves. So I'll start with you, Sophie, then we'll go Laura, Angie. Um, please introduce yourself, share a quick background about who you are and what brought you to the point of writing this book. Okay, wonderful. Well, happy to be here, Miranda. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited. So as you mentioned, we're launching our first children's book um, at the end of the summer. Uh, the plan is for the end of August, but uh, we're hoping uh, we'll definitely have it by the end of um, summertime. So I'm Sophie and I'm a life coach and I wrote a book uh, titled, as you mentioned, Beautiful, Brilliant and Brave that was released last November. And I remember just kind of walking with a friend and talking to her about the book. And she said to me, she said, Sophie, you know, you're doing great work, but you really should start this conversation much younger, um, like with people who are much younger. And uh, hence the birth of I Am Beautiful and I Know It, because uh, these kind of social constructs that kind of come with us, um, uh, you know, follow us. And so how does that happen? And why does that happen? And so um, the book, the my first book, Beautiful, Brilliant and Brave, kind of um, springboarded me into wanting to create a tool that young people could use as well as those who mentor them, those who parent them, those who teach them. And so that's how this book was born. And we're super excited about it. So thanks for having us. Awesome. Thank you very much for the intro. And Laura. Yeah, um, so I'm Lara. I'm the illustrator of I Am Beautiful and I Know It. And uh, this is such an amazing opportunity. But uh, I am a newly graduated primary school teacher. Uh, so yay for that. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, uh, I guess I have my mom to thank for this awesome um, opportunity. She uh, gave me a heads up that her and Sophie were thinking of writing this book. And since I have a background in education, um, as well as biology, so I know a bit about the brain and, and uh, how young kids work and stuff like that. Um, so it was, yeah, it kind of led through that into the illustration stuff. And 
yeah, I, I've always loved to draw and art stuff. So all of, all of that just kind of added up together to here. Awesome. Love that. And um, Angie, how about you? Hi, so I'm Angie, mother of illustrator over there. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my background is I'm a nurse, still practicing as a nurse, um, mother of three beautiful daughters. Uh, so for me, I've always been a poet, a uh, hidden poet, actually. Always have written poems for myself, but never really, really done anything with them. So how this came about was um, I've known Sophie uh, indirectly for a number of years, and uh, she reached out to me a few years ago to help her edit her, her book, which I did. And uh, somehow she decided to ask me to become involved with her. She found out I was, I guess, wrote a little bit on the side and Maybe she was impressed with my editing skills. I don't know, but we uh, we connected that way, and I was really flattered and really thrilled because I just uh, started writing a bit more again. I hadn't written poetry for a while, and I always wrote children's poetry and kind of penned a few books for the kids when they were little. So, but my my passion behind this, really, aside from Sof Sophie's book, which I loved, um, is having three girls and seeing how women are treated in the world and the whole beauty beauty concept, um, which hasn't really changed, I, you know, kind of we think it has, but it hasn't really in, in a lot of ways. One of my other daughters actually was interested in the modeling industry a few years ago. And I thought, okay, like, of course you let people try what they want to try, but getting involved in that and she and I both quickly realized how some things really haven't changed. To tell someone who's, you know, five, 10, 120 pounds soaking wet that they're overweight or they're this or they're that, like it just really, I just thought, oh my goodness, things have not really progressed as much as we want to. So that part of it is, you know, there's this kind of silly standard. So that part of it for me, the book sends a message that we're all so wonderful as we are and you don't need to do a thing to change and it really does come from inside. So that was a little bit of my, my impetus as well. So, but I'm so thankful to be here too. This has been a pretty cool, process and you'll hear about more about that I'm sure <laughs> yes yes I'm excited to hear about um the deep dive into your guys each individual passion and um stories as to why you wanted to get involved in the book um and I love the idea behind it all that you're targeting younger individuals um seven and below specifically and helping to change the narrative behind beauty and shift the way that we see it. Um, so I'm really excited for you guys to help young children understand their inner strength and inner beauty. So um, how about we move on to the next question? Why is this book something that every teacher, parent, caregiver should be jumping up to buy? Um, so how about we start with you, Angie? Why should, well, for me, um, I mean, aside from the beautiful illustrations, illustrations, the kids love that. To me, it's a great conversation starter for, um, you know, to be reading a book that's talking about beauty that says we're all be beautiful in, in your own way, just for kids to have that conversation with their parents. Well, why, mom? I think, you know, I think Bobby is cute, but I don't know if so-and-so is like that kind of conversation. And it's really is all inclusive for girls and boys. And it's very diverse, the diversity of our world as well. This book really brings that out, how we're so unique and diverse and we are all beautiful. So just for me, the big thing is the conversation starter 
to be reading this together with your young ones. Awesome. And Sophie. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all born beautiful. And I think somewhere along the lines, we somehow get told differently, um, either uh, through various messages or through school or through friends. And uh, I really wanted young people to understand that uh, beauty is less about, you know, what shoes you wear or the color of your hair and more about what's on the inside. And the clearer, when my girls were young, I used to always say to them, uh, beauty is on the inside and, and invest in yourself because the clearer you become and who you are, the more you will radiate your beauty. And it really isn't about all the other things that consumerism and capitalism would like us to believe. And so we sometimes can get wrapped up into all the other stuff, which ultimately is unachievable. So we set ourselves up for failure because all those things are unachievable. I mean, how many pairs of shoes, how many leggings, you know, how many purses, Whereas it's really about what's in here, you know, what's happening with you, how clear are you with what really matters, you know, what you stand for, what's important to you, and really cultivating that in kids at an at a early young age, so that we can help them sustain their confidence and help them understand their value and their worth. And that's really what it's about. And so by targeting younger kids and helping them understand that they're beautiful exactly as they are. They were born beautiful. And so nothing about all these external things can change that about who they are. So helping them become very clear in their value and their worth and their identity will help radiate their beauty that's already within them. So that's why I thought it was a really important conversation to have. And starting at a young age is super important. Awesome. I love that. And Laura, how about you? Why should we teachers be jumping up to grab this book? For sure. Um, I think for me, uh, in my experience in my school, um, I worked in a kindergarten class. And even then, these kids are five, four years old. Um, and some of the kids there are like, oh, you can't wear a belt because you're a girl. Or, oh, the sun can't have eyelashes because it's a boy. Or things like that. And I remember reading this article about how um, by the age of, I believe it was three or four, um, but kids recognize the role that they're supposed to fit into at that young an age. So I think um, we have to have these conversations with younger children because they already know it. They've already ingrained it and we have to, um, we have to challenge that. And I think this is a good as my, as they both said, uh, it's a good conversation starter in that sense. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's great to um, get them thinking differently and asking themselves different questions uh, and hopefully helping to shift the way they see beauty at a young age. That's really great. So I find in today's society, there's a lot of pressure to be externally beautiful. Uh, especially with social media, um, younger people getting access to social media. So there's a lot of um, trying to make the right impression and be seen as somebody who's valued and, and accepted in life. Um, mm -hmm. So it's important to rewrite that narrative. So what is your specific target audience uh, going to gain from getting this book? Laura, you can start. Yeah. Um, so my hope for this book is that they will gain um, more of a growth mindset 
I think that's something that's really important to me because um, I've seen kids in grade one, grade two, kindergarten, and throughout the grades, just having this huge anxiety um, towards not performing to the standards. Or um, I remember one student in particular who wouldn't show me his artwork because he didn't feel like he was good enough and he's only eight. And it's like, you should be able to do whatever you want and not have a care in the world at that age. Um, so I think fostering a growth mindset, being like, oh, I might not be able to do X right now, but I will keep trying at it and keep working towards what I want to do. Um, I think that's super important. And it also kind of removes the, um, the weight, the value on the external beauty, if that, if that makes sense, um, in my mind, at least. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. I love that. And Angie, how about you? I probably don't have too much to add, but I guess, I mean, it does, like Laura says, just illustrates how it starts at such a young age and carries on through school and public school and the pressure to have the right clothing and the right labels. I think that all still exists and that's gone on for such a long time. So I think Sophie mentioned that too. I can't emphasize how important it is to start at such a young, young age to yeah. change. So then it's almost habit and you're not thinking about that stuff and you don't care that your glasses are red and mine and green or whatever. So I would say that's what I have to add to that one. You said it so well, Laura. <laughs> yeah. And okay. Sophie, how about you um, with your target audience? Why is it important for them to understand the message? Well, I think it's really important um, that we give kids permission to be their uniquely authentic self. You know, kids know what they know, but if they feel like somehow what they know is wrong, then they want to change and they want to adapt. Because I'm, I think most of us, you know, want to feel like we're we're part of a group or we have friends or we're likable or you know we're included and so I think there's that natural pull to say oh okay if, if this is kind of what the group thinks then I'll do it even if we don't kind of feel like it's right so I'm hoping that this book will be almost um, a safe space for young kids to to think yes I can be like this it's okay and to give them that permission that you can be your uniquely beautiful self exactly as you are because you don't have to fit into this social constructed box that society wants to place you in because that's the only way you'll be liked or that would be the only way you'll be included or that will be the only way that you'll somehow fit in because how are you fitting in to a system if it's not truly your authentic self? You know, you're changing everything about yourself in order to fit in and that's not what we want. And so I'm hoping that this book provides that permission for kids, you know, that they can, you know, follow their passions and strengths. They might not have that vernacular. They might not use those words, but they know what they love to do and they know what brings them joy. You know, we can learn so much from kids by how they play. You know, they're so in, they're just so free with how they play. And, and I want, um, I want people to keep that forever, you know, that shouldn't go away just because, you know, we have these, these um, sets of ideals that tell us to be different or tell us to kind of uh, fall away from the things that bring us joy. And so I hope that this book offers permission um, for you to seek your authentic self and to be okay with that, because that's the best place to be. 
you know, being, being you and your authentic self is the best place and that, that will radiate the most beauty. So that's what I hope this book offers. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see what uh, outcome that brings from people reading this book to young kids. Um, I agree. It's so important to shine and, and be your authentic self and be as goofy as you want to be and try creative things and, you know, do things a little bit differently because that's where creativity is born, right? It, it's, it's taking in everything, merging it with what you know, and then putting out something brand new for everyone to see and just being okay with whatever that outcome is. So I'm excited um, for everyone to read the book for that. And, and a good example of that, Miranda, with the <laughs> podcast, right? You were yourself out there to start this podcast. So that's, you're a good example for our, for our Awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad that I can uh, help people just express their passions and authentic self and just be a little more carefree about what they do. <laughs> um, so I'm curious to know what changed or happened in your life that brought you to the point of creating this book at this time? I know we sort of touched on it, but if there's anything specifically that just kind of hit that made you say, I need to make this book? Angie. Hmm. Let's see, maybe Sophie, you should go first. I would say, because it did come from you, Sophie, um, but once once the process started, it was like, yeah, like this is just a must do thing. It just kind of was a natural ebb and flow. It was just kind of seemed to fit with the times right now. I don't know how to, I'm describing that. Sophie. Sophie. Yeah, Sophie, well, if you want to take it. As a staunch feminist, I mean, I'm and and a life coach. My work so much about um, my passion and, and my joy is empowering girls and women. And so, I've seen far too many examples where um, girls don't feel good enough, they don't feel smart enough, they don't feel like they are uh, likable. And I just, I you know, watching my girls grow up and and their friends interact. I would always scratch my head because these people, like these young humans are just so dynamic and fantastic and awesome. And it was like, I have to find a way to tell them how great they are. You know, Angie and I recently had a chat. Oh, uh, and um, we were just talking about how to lift each other up in terms of women and girls. And And she said, you know, I just love how you spend that time trying to do that. And it really, and I, and my response to her is, it's my greatest joy, and and so I had to find work to support that because I always knew that that's what I wanted to do, and so I just didn't know how to do it. And so now through my life coaching business, I have found this avenue where I can find a way to support all children, but it, for me particularly young girls because I feel like you know they kind of start. Uh, there's not like the same uh, starting line for everybody. And so that I'm just, you know, wanting to pump them up and wanting them to understand that they're allowed to feel great and they're allowed to embrace that and they don't have to apologize for that. And so I've seen it. I, I lived it as a young child, not feeling smart enough, not feeling good enough. And then I saw generations after generations continue that. And I thought, well, how much is really changing when we continue to see, you know, young girls in these fabulous girls struggling and and so I knew that was my work it was just finding out how I could do that and translate that in a meaningful positive way 
And it's just so beautiful that we've been able to do it in this fun, whimsical way with the book and these beautiful illustrations because they're really key and important messages, but we've kept them playful and fun through the wonderful illustrations. And so I just think it's a gorgeous combination. I love that. And, and what do you think you learned or gained realized the most through the process of making this? Well, I used to always say to Angie, when we started work, uh, working on the book, I used to always say, you like, you know, I don't play very well with others. And so it was real challenge for me um, to work in collaboration with these two amazing women. And so I understood how much power there is when we come together. You know, we're not in competition of one another. You know, let's get into a habit of lifting each other up. Let's get into a habit of supporting each other and empowering each other and inspiring each other. We're not enemies. We're here to support people um, because we're all different and we all have our own path and we all have a different way to do things. So let's create enough space and enough opportunity and celebrate each other. And so my, the greatest thing that I learned was, you know, I can play nice with others, <laughs> even though for a long time, I thought I couldn't. Um, and so um, I just loved working with these two because they're so, I call them creative geniuses. They just have so much to offer and they're just so generous. And so you bounce, you get energy from these, when you work with people who you trust and who are safe and who you know you can rely on and who have this just an abundance of creativity, you, that, that's contagious and you kind of gather flow and gather momentum. And, and the process really was that because while you bounce off of each other and gather ideas from each other, um, you gain more flow within yourself. And then that feels good for everybody. And, and I think that was one of the greatest joys for me for sure. Oh, that's awesome. And Laura, how about you? What do you think you gained or realized through creating the, the illustrations? Gosh, um, Sophie said it so eloquently. <laughs> um, I think for me, it was sort of realizing how much bigger the conversation has to be. Um, because I went into it, it was like, oh, like people should feel beautiful about themselves. Like, happy thoughts, positive vibes, that kind of thing. But it's so, it's so much bigger than that. And I knew that as, as a woman. And um, I just didn't realize how much further this, this book would go, I think. Was, mm -hmm. Nice. Angie. Yeah, I just, I see so much, even the more we're talking today, I just see so much potential for this. I'm like, oh, that would fit right into, that should be a whole unit in a curriculum, honestly. Like the more we talk, I think you're right. We just kind of pump off each other and pump each other up. And I get so excited every time too. So yeah, and you know, I have done a lot of group work just at school, probably as you have too. Um, but when you click with someone, I would think that's just kind of magic, which I didn't really realize because you're, you're kind of forced into group work when you're in school, but when you actually are choosing who you're working with, like that's been pretty special for me. So I would say that's what I would say, special. <laughs> Two special <laughs> ladies, it's been amazing. That's awesome. And um, how do you guys think that we can continue to make a difference or make a shift in the world um, for, for everybody? not just those that we love and that we see day to day, but how can we all continue to make a big difference in the world? 
Sophie? Yeah, I really think it's continuing to have those conversations because, um, you know, general uh, generation, I, I talk in Beautiful, Brilliant and Brave about generation legacy and generational legacy. And we don't know what we don't know. So even parents who are doing their best and parents who think they're doing a great job and parents who think they were raised in a way that was really good, because I hear all the time people say, well, I, I turned out okay, so it must have been okay. So sometimes we don't know what we don't know. So it's really important to continue the conversation about the things, you know, to stop and say, you know, is, does this feel right to me? That person's comment, does that feel right? Is it worth stopping it and saying, you know what, I, I don't really like the way that conversation went. And is it worth, um, you know, stopping children and saying, you know, you're allowed, especially, you know, the stereotypes as a little boy, you're allowed to have emotions you know, and, and what does that look like for a little boy to have emotions? And how does that feel? We're allowed to explore our emotions. And, and in the children's book, we talk about emotions and how emotions, we're still beautiful when we have emotions. We're human beings and we're allowed to have emotions. So I think it's really important that we continue to have these conversations because again, we don't know what we don't know. And so we think we're fine. And, and of course we know we're fine. I mean, we're, we're surviving. But let's get to the point where we're thriving. Let's get to the point where people feel like they can be themselves and it's okay to be themselves because that's where we can find our greatest strengths. I mean, when we are allowed to explore, uh, we might find different things that we didn't even know we liked, you know, and, and so starting that out and following that all the way through adulthood. And we continue because, you know, learning is never over. So continuing to have those conversations, continuing to really get in touch with what feels right for you, um, because it doesn't have to, uh, uh, you know, how someone else reacts to it is how somebody, someone else reacts to it. It doesn't have to be how your reaction is to it. And so that's okay, because we're different and we're unique and we have different responses to things. And so, um, you know, stopping things when it doesn't feel right and calling it out when a behavior uh, is not appropriate. You know, sometimes we think, oh, that person's just a jerk. I'm just going to let it go. Well, we continue to let things go. And then how are we really changing anything? Whereas if we stop and said, you know what, that really kind of hurt my feelings, or I really didn't like how um, you said that to me, or you know what, if I want to play with dolls, and I'm a little boy, and you, you know, you have a buddy who's the dad, and he doesn't want the little boy to play with dolls, just stop and have a conversation with that person. Because the most impact you can have are with people that are within your uh, circle of influence. And so it's important that we stop when something isn't right or doesn't seem right or is a little bit, you know, perhaps, um, you know, stereotypical. Because that's how we learn. We have to have those uncomfortable conversations. They're not always uncomfortable, especially if they're with people you love. Usually there's some form, you know, some level of receptiveness that conversation but we have to stop and make that effort and that's how we create real real change because these things matter and it's important you know that sometimes um, we have uncomfortable conversations that don't necessarily feel good but that's how we create real momentum and real change and so um, while it's not always a, a, a good like especially if you're at a party and something said it's not always a good outcome and sometimes you have to kind of source out the room but um I think it's necessary and I think it's necessary to always stop and say you know what that's not cool um, and so let's have a chat about that. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And so Laura, how can we continue to make a difference? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think the main thing for me is actively continuing to educate ourselves, like making it an active process, choosing to say, okay, I need to learn more about this and doing that work for yourself. Um, and I think a lot of that is going to be listening to others and especially learning from marginalized groups um, just in general in order to work together to move to get to move forward together um, is what I think needs to be done. Yeah, no, totally is is just choosing to uh, to actually learn and understand other perspectives and it helps develop yourself. It helps create community and acceptance mm -hmm. for everyone who deserves to be accepted, which is everyone. <laughs> so yeah, I love that. And Angie, was there anything you wanted to add on how we can all make a difference? No, I think these guys have said it best. It's, been, it's good. Awesome. And so other than maybe teachers and parents, who else should be reading this book? Mm -hmm. Angie. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> I think, you know, we like Sylvie had mentioned earlier, you know, with the feminist perspective, but it's also important for boys because sometimes, you know, it's a role modeling thing from the parents of boys, fathers of boys, the male influencers, not just the girls, because, yeah, we, we know where we're at, but it's the others around us as well. So I would say that's important. Grandparents, like educators, I think there's, it's limitless. I think it's a, it's a world issue. And it's a human race issue for sure. Yes. And, and Sophie, Laura, do you guys agree? Yeah. Um, if I can just say, I think one of the great things about this book is it starts to help everyone reframe their language that they use with themselves and with others. And I think that's such a key thing um, for us all to learn moving forward. Hmm. Nice. That. And I think I love how, like, through the illustration, uh, Lara was able to capture, um, you know, the diversity within us all. Right? Because, you know, there's so many layers and complexity, uh, whether it's cultural or whether it's marginalized group or groups or people of color or um, whatever. Uh, we all have a different uh, backstory and we all have a different upbringing and we all have a different experience. And so, she was really able to capture um, the diversity in, in us as a human race in her illustrations, which I thought was magnificent. And we gave her like such little kind of um, direction and she was just able to create these beautiful images that I think is really reflective of who we are as a global society. And she did that just so beautifully and so playfully and so inclusively um, and so, um, I think that was super powerful and she did a great job. <laughs> awesome. And um, are there any specific or particular stories that happened to you as a young girl or an experience that you witnessed to help you to understand the importance of redefining beauty? Sophie. Well, outside of the fact that the beauty industry is a multi-billion dollar industry and we're always talking about anti-aging specifically to women and all the fillers and uh, 
about implants and everything else you can name uh, going into women not thinking they're good enough or pretty enough or, um, you know, this ever, you know, well, I'll be happy when I lose that 20 pounds or, you know, maybe I'll find that perfect life partner, you know, when I grow my hair or dye my hair or whatever. And none of those things are the things that will create the kind of life outcomes and the success in your life. Um, and so um, that stuff really bugs me. And, you know, they get in, ingrained in, in young babies before they can even speak. I remember early on in um, women's studies course that I took, I did a project and it talked about this ideal of beauty. And it there one of the research that I, uh, some of the research that I picked out was that you know, babies sitting in the backseat of a car or drive by a billboard and they have this image of what that's glorified as beauty. And so before you can even talk as a baby, you already have these ingrained images of what it is to be beautiful. And so if you don't fit into that mold, which of course none of us does because they're unachievable, unattainable, and that's exactly the point. We're constantly yearning to find that, you know, magical feel good uh, which, you know, it just basically sets us all up to fail. And so you might, you know, as you, we might not even know the images and, and you know, the, the marketing that goes into promoting this ideal of beauty. And so let's reframe that and let's reshape that and let's create a new narrative that sets us all up to find our greatest path and our greatest life and the direction that's going to give us the most successful out outcomes. And like we said, earlier on, um, it really isn't about these external things. It really is about, you know, finding what's right for you and knowing and being clear with that and cultivating all that. And, and so, yeah, that stuff makes me crazy. The, the whole like anti-aging stuff and all that and just drives me crazy. Yeah. And um, Laura, how about you? Is there anything particular that happened to you as a young girl or an experience that you witnessed to help you understand the importance of redefining beauty? So many things. It's hard to choose just one. <laughs> um, I think I think everybody has multiple stories of when they were young um, or even nowadays things that um, just tell us we need to redefine beauty. Uh, but two that come to mind for me, one, I was in grade five or grade six and a boy had asked me out as, as they do. Uh, <laughs> and um, me being myself, I, I asked them why. Um, and his response was like, oh, you're hot. So of course I wanna ask you out or whatever. Um, and the second story was in my first year of university at the University of Victoria, somebody I had just met was just getting to know in the first week of school was like, oh, like you look like a Barbie doll, but you actually have a personality. And these were both stories were skewed as compliments. Um, but I think that also depicts the problem with it because there's such a value on the external, uh, like the physical appearance, uh, appearance, sorry, uh, physical appearance to the point where um, it made me feel like in both of those instances, oh, you don't care about who I am as a person. You don't care about anything except how I look to you as, as a product basically. Um, and so those, those were two stories that came to mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I agree that like, 
we've all had those times where you just feel like the only thing that you can offer is beauty because of the way that other people speak to you or address you. And mm-hmm. you, it's like, you, even if you went up on stage and gave a great presentation and people still are only commenting on how you look and it, mm-hmm. it kind of makes you feel devalued. Um, so I agree this, these are prominent stories for women. Angie, do you have any examples like Laura said I probably have a bunch too I guess when I was thinking about that I think one of my experiences as a nurse when I first started I was uh, working on a trauma and neurosurgical floor so a lot of life-altering illnesses injuries mostly and how people didn't look how they did before and some people were severely altered whether it's an amputation or facial disfigurement or something and it just thought how much the families were just so grateful they were alive like it was not an issue it didn't matter that you weren't a stereotypical beautiful you were beautiful for who you were no matter what happens you are loved no matter what so that's just kind of this has all brought that to my and brought my because I, I was a late I think I was a late bloomer coming to this awareness was kind of a an adult thing for me it wasn't really talked about but once that awareness hits you, it doesn't really go away. Like in the Sophie talked about the beauty industry and, you know, I'm seeing so many young girls going for Botox and, you know, in their twenties and thirties going for Botox and like things like that, that boggles my mind and bugs me too. So to get the message across from a young age, but it has to be a big societal change too. Like, you know, and one by one to, to chip away at that. The big, it's been going on, it needs more work. Yeah. And exactly why it's important to get the youth educated on this um, and and really diving deep into who they are um, and and letting that be what people see like that their light shines so bright that you can't even see the person. It's just hear my message, hear my story. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so I love that. And how about you guys share a little bit about um, if someone was interested in buying the book, where would it be available for them to buy? We, it will be, uh, we will have a launch when it is actually ready. We're hoping, like we said, summertime, whether it's August or September, uh, they will be available at books.freezeandpress.com. That's our publisher. And I, we can be reached via, we have a book email account as well, where we can be reached. The two of us, Sophie and I have a, an email account. I am beautiful book one at gmail.com. If you want to contact us for that, uh, freezing, uh, we can, I don't know if you can post that on your podcast, Miranda. Yeah, I can post links to everywhere that the book is available. Um, and so that people can get that. And is that something that's purchased online then? Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's perfect. So you can get the book in the link in the description um, and it'll be available in the coming month or so. Um, so we'll make sure to post when that, when the launch is, um, and I would like each of you to share what, uh, what the, your key takeaway that you want people to get, um, whether it's the adult from the adult perspective or the child perspective, what is the big key takeaway? And Angie, you can start. Oh, okay. Um, for me, it's, a. Uh... Just being happy with yourself and valuing valuing our differences, I guess. Being happy with who we are and being happy with every, 
one else, but at the same time, respecting all our differences. Love. <laughs> Love. Yeah. And Laura? I think one of the key things that I wanted to get across with the illustration specifically um, was being willing to look at things from a different perspective. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> nice. Love it. And Sophie? Throughout the book, we talk about, you know, self-love and compassion and inclusivity, really some key things um, that I think enhance everyone's life. And so if we can um, learn tolerance by understanding that uh, we all want to be loved, we all want to be included, we all want to be our, our authentic selves. And, and as a result, you know, when we create a safe space to do that, uh, we create a, a, a better community, you know, a kinder community, a community that's more compassionate, a community that's more diverse, a community, as we talked about earlier, that has the ability to listen more and really understand from that person's perspective, as we're seeing through many of the things happening now. I mean, just some travesties happening with the residential schools and just how we as a human race even allow that to happen. It's so tragic. And from a perspective of a mother, I just think to myself, you know, if my baby went away to school and never came back and then had no reasoning or reckoning or even a way to find out what happened to my baby, I mean, I can't even imagine the trauma that came from that. So understanding that we're all beautiful and we can be uniquely beautiful whatever that looks like for us you know whatever culture that looked you know whatever you know um, dressings or language or customs that support them feeling their best self and and hopefully finding Lara said it best in our um, in our author's bio that you'll get um, when you purchase the book um, you know, let's create a community of more self-love, a community that's more inclusive so that we can all feel our best and we can all feel safe and we can all feel like there's a part that we belong to. We belong in this space. It's not just for a certain person that looks a certain way or acts a certain way or dresses a certain way or has a certain amount of money. Um, we're all one race. We're all one human. And so, you know, let's find that kindness um, and that love to you know, to embrace everybody. Really. Wow. That's beautiful. I feel like everyone's going to be blossoming after the book. <laughs> Everyone who reads it, they're going to be <laughs> glowing. <laughs> um, and if there is something that each of us can do to help all the children understand that they are beautiful exactly as they are, what would that be? What can we do to teach those children? Angie? I would say just simply accepting them and loving them who they are. Dem demonstrating that value, I think. Love it. And uh, Sophie? Yeah, I echo what Angie said. I think that's beautiful. And, and them knowing that they're born beautiful. Nothing takes that away. Um, and it's us who really, uh, it's up to us who has the responsibility to support them, to encourage them, to celebrate them, uh, to find ways for them to expand, you know, their strengths 
and the things that bring them joy and, and support them. And so it's up to us to do that for the next generation. And we do that, um, you know, inclusively by listening, by understanding them, by hearing them, by allowing them to feel whatever that looks like for them, by asking them questions, uh, you know, not speaking on their behalf just because they're three, four, and five. They know what they know. And so let's ask more questions rather than telling them, oh, you know, they fell and they hurt their knee. Oh, you're okay. Well, how are you feeling? You know, what's happening there? Um, you know, start asking them. They might be little humans, but they're certainly brilliant and they know what they know. So, you know, um, I just think uh, that would, you know, kind of support everything that uh, they already know. And just so, so when we were present for them and we're available for them and that's, and that's our role as the adult. So we want to create a generation that understands uh, their value, that understands that they can be who they are exactly the way they are um, and move into the world and find their best path. Nice. And Laura, how can we help children understand their beauty? Yeah, I totally agree with what uh, Angie and Sophie both said. Um, just to add one note to that is I think a way that we can support um, these children in the next generation and everyone in our lives is having uh, all of the role models. So having the people showing our, our the next generation, people of all types, people of all sorts, having um, role models in our media, in our books, in, in uh, the dolls that we play with, in, in everything. And I think having those examples of different types of people living different types of lives. And I, I just think that that is so powerful for young kids to see that and be like, oh, it's okay for me to be like this. Um, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And um, how do you guys think that we can develop more inclusivity, compassion and tolerance within communities? Do you think that it's possible to, to get to that point? Laura? I hope so. Uh, <laughs> that is, oh gosh, yeah. Um, it's sort of an impossible question, but I think there's been such amazing work going on, even just recently in the past few years, there have been so many movements um, sort of demanding change in terms of inclusivity and such. And um, yeah, just uh, all of us need to, as I said earlier, continue actively educating ourselves and looking for ways that we can be more inclusive. Because if each of us is doing that, then oh, like the mass change would be brilliant, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And Sophie? Well, I think getting this book, I Am Beautiful, and I know it into every bookstore, into every library, into every classroom, into every household, because it really touches on all those things that all the kind of elements that um, bring with it inclusivity, you know, like it's okay to have emotions, it's okay to be kind, you know, what, what are the right kind of rules, you know, how, how do we flourish as individuals? And so I think when, when that clarity is there um, and we know that we're allowed to be different and it's okay to be different and we don't have to be the same and we don't have to like everybody even, um, that's okay as long as we're respectful 
Um, but knowing that um, when we lead with love and we lead with understanding, we can, we can build uh, a, a life of inclusivity. Um, I actually don't think it's that hard. I think sometimes we're kind of really stuck in our fear that we think if we include somehow we'll be the one left out. Whereas if we show that nobody gets left out, you know, we're a place where everyone belongs, um, you know, and I think this book really is a, a, a way to start that conversation because it really depicts all those beautiful elements that are needed in order to create a more inclusive space, whether that's in your own personal homes or at schools or even in the workplace, you know, we talk about kids bullying but I still see adults bullying on a daily basis. So we can't change when, when we as adults continue to do it. And so as Lara talked about role modeling and visibility, you know, if, if our kids are seeing the kinds of behaviors that we continue to do, um, you, we can't change. We can't expect our children to change bullying behavior if they're seeing, uh, you know, people around them doing it and seemingly working for them. So, yeah, but I think it's definitely possible. I'm very hopeful about that sure yes and angie what's your take on it uh these guys have said it so well but i would definitely add and it kind of echoes and plays off what lara said just to keep learning like just because you read an article or saw something 10 years ago things have changed just keep learning and learning about yourself and where maybe you you have a bias where we always have room for improvement or what we can be doing more so that would that's what i want just keep learning and being aware of yourself nice Nice. Um, so is there any specific um, point that any of you wanted to make about the book before we come to a close? I'd love to make a point about the process. Sure. Uh, when Angie and I started writing the book from the time it started, where we started with the book and, and where we ended, um, with such, you know, such a progression and, and the beauty of the progression was um, really, I think for both of us, I'm, I'm almost magical at the end of it. And with Angie being on the West Coast and me being in Ontario, you know, amongst a, a pandemic nonetheless, I mean, it really was a project of pleasure and purpose. And it really uh, was such a joyful experience. And sometimes you just have to you might not know how things are going to go. And I think um, both Andrew and I talked about this, how um, trusting the process, trusting that, you know, the, the, how we started, we might've thought, oh gosh, this book, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but trusting the process that as you continue along, um, um, it gets better and better and better. And we had, of course, we worked on the book for eight months and from start to finish and so the the journey is really part of the beauty and you really don't necessarily know all the paths and all the turns you're going to take but trusting that that will come as you kind of continue to trust and continue to bounce ideas off of one another and as we all touched upon continue to learn and be open because even where we started eight months ago we have all learned you know various other things and so trusting the process you don't have to know all the answers when you start something but trusting that you when the time comes you will need the, you will have the answers and you will have the path that you're meant to have and so you don't have to start by knowing everything 
Um, and I think sometimes that's where we can get hung up as young girls and, and women. You know, we think we have to know everything and we think we have to have everything down pat. Just trusting that we'll find a way as we go along. And that was really magical, I found in the process of writing the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my biggest learning curve, I would say. And I, I fed off of you for that, for sure. It really was trusting the process and not knowing that you don't have to control everything. I think that lent to the creativity, for sure. Yeah knowing that it will work. And sometimes you had to sit with things for a bit and then you go back to you like, oh my gosh, that really did work. When you, you know, weren't, you weren't sure, but yeah, that, that was my biggest learning curve. So great. What about you, Lara? Um, can I, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> it was more so just a point of, I guess, um, the process of cre the, the process from beginning to the end, mm -hmm. like what, did something change within you? Would, would maybe you like at the beginning you were just drawing, but then at the end you were drawing like from a different place maybe? Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the key thing there for me was just trying like the, like Angie and Sophie both said is part of the process, but getting over that first hurdle is, it takes so much effort, but once you're in it, it's, it's great. And whether you make something, um, a first draft is a first draft is just a first draft and accepting that, that things, especially, especially for me with art, you're always allowed to change it. Um, and I guess there is finality, of course, with actually publishing a book, it's out in the world <laughs> uh, and it has to be done at some point. Um, but just taking that first leap and being like, okay, we're doing this. We've got to, we've got to do it somehow. And just trying, I think was, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely just making the first step, um, beginning your process. And even if it's a rough draft, even if the words are wrong or the picture is wrong, at least you have your initial idea down, which is more than you had before. Um, mm -hmm. And then when you come back, your brain's been thinking about it and then you have more ideas and then it's so much easier than a blank page. So well, it's awesome. I love if, if Lara is okay with sharing them. Uh, she, this was a childhood dream for her to illustrate. Mm -hmm. And if she's willing to share, because I think dreaming is a big component of, you know, kind of manifesting the things that we want to do in life. And so Lara, if you're comfortable sharing that, I'd love for you to share that story. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I guess it's just as simple as you said it. It was always something that I wanted to do. Just illustrating a book, any book, was just this uh, sort of monumental project. And then to have that offered to me as an opportunity was just sort of mind-blowing. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's one of those things where... Um, oh, I. Yeah, you have you have these things you want to do as a kid, and you might think that you you'll never be able to accomplish it, or oh that won't happen because I've taken this life path and such. Um, but I don't know. You can always find a way to do anything, and I think that's the beautiful thing about life is you don't no choice is permanent, and there's always options for you to do stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really awesome that you got to fulfill one of those little childhood dreams, and it making that um 
a reality, even exactly what hopefully children will learn from getting the book. So it's really cool that, um, that that happened for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so quickly before this podcast is over, I'd like to know for each of you, what is your definition of beauty? Laura. Oh, I had to go first for this one, of course. (laughs) Um, Oh, I was thinking about this, and it's so difficult because uh, beauty can be defined by society, by culture, by time. Um, And I think for me, it's more about being part of the universe. I know that sounds very, (laughs) um, I don't know. I love uh, it, love it. Yeah, yeah. Having, like, I look at I look at nature around me, and and the universe itself is just so beautiful. And recognizing, I think that we are all part of that as well, um, is such a huge part of what beauty means to me. Because we see butterflies that are beautiful, flowers that are beautiful, weird fish that are beautiful, and they're beautiful. So, and we're part of that. So, I think we're beautiful too. Awesome. And Sophie? Yeah, beauty uh, for me is more about who you are, uh, not what shoes you wear or the color of your hair. It really is. Beauty is really on the inside. And so, um, yeah, yeah. The, cl- the clearer you become in identifying who you are and what brings you joy and the people that support you and celebrate you and inspire you, um, really radiates um you 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 will see someone's beauty just by speaking to them and um that's what beauty is for me for sure nice and angie oh boy <laughs> can i read can i i don't know so can, do, can i read the first uh dedication poem okay sure. i am beautiful and i know it curls or braids straight or moppy it doesn't even matter if i happen to feel sloppy Beauty come from the inside out. That's my opening and closing statement. <laughs> I love that. Is that from the book? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. From the, my dedication. Yeah. Oh, so that's, that's, that is really beautiful. All of you are beautiful. And I, I say that with my eyes closed. <laughs> um, I love that. <laughs> um, so that is everything that I have for you guys. I will leave the link in um, for the book and any, if you guys want to contact um, Sophie or Angie or Lara about the, the, the creative work that they've done, uh, I will put links to that below as well. And having said all those things, I hope that you guys enjoyed the podcast and um, tune back in listen to the interview I did with Sophie. If you've missed that one, that one's also really good. Um, And so I want you all to stay in motion, to stay in gratitude, to stay in expansion, to act with intention, be consistent and focus on the goal. And remember, it is not about achieving the goal, but it's who you become on the way. So keep good company and enjoy the ride. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Love you.